0: Hello, good evening and welcome to Seascapes. On tonight's programme, I'm on board a newly rebuilt classic racing yacht in Roaring Water Bay and we're on the quayside as fishermen are forced to unload and weigh their catches under new EU regulations. More than two years ago, I did a report from a shed in West Cork work had just started on a complete rebuild of a 100-year-old racing yacht. The boat was the Lady Min, which had been in the same family since she was first built. Last weekend, on a beautiful late summer morning, I saw her again, after she'd just been relaunched by her owner, Simon O'Keefe. We took her on a sail out among the 100 islands of Rowing Water Bay with Simon and two friends, Frank Murphy and Neil O'Callaghan. Simon, it's been a two-year journey. It's been—it's
1: yeah, probably been more more than two years in the in the end, but and it was slightly held up by COVID. Um, but all, all to the good. It meant we were able to the piggy bank could keep up with the with the costs of doing the job. So that was a a benefit. In, in,
0: in retrospect, we go back and we talk about the job in a while. But we're out here. Just left skull this morning. Beautiful sunny morning. It's all worth it. Oh it, absolutely,
1: I mean we're, we're sailing now out to go around the calves and she's slipping along I would say five and a half knots in about uh, 12 knots of wind and she's clearly a fast boat and the other thing that's really pleasant about her, she's quiet, you're not hearing a whole lot of smashing and thrashing and I always think that's a sign of a fast boat.
0: Okay, yeah that, that is right actually, there's nothing flapping, no. there's no water coming in over the side?
1: No, no, she's and, and she's sailing nice and upright. Um, and it seems to be, as I say, quick. I mean, I keep hearing people keep saying to me, she's a very quick boat. But this is my fourth time out on her with you. So uh, I'm, I'm only learning uh, yeah. at this stage. You only launched her two weeks ago. Two weeks ago on, on the Wednesday, the 14th of August. Um, I reckon probably, jokes aside, about 119 years after she was originally launched. Because one of the first races she raced in was on the 20th of August. Uh, 1902, in Bantry,
0: which she won. Let's talk about her, Lady Min.
1: Well, Lady Min, the original Lady Min is my great-grandmother, um, Minnie Lyons. Um, the boat was built, there was, there's, this is actually Lady Min 2. There was an older one, um, and apparently she was a right dog. Um, she was still in, in the Royal Cork in the 50s, um, but she wouldn't go. So, as far as I know, uh, my great Grandfather Morris, uh, took a design out of the rudder, as in capital T, capital R, it's a magazine, and it used to publish full designs. And it's a Herischoff design. And I think this is like a Buzzard's Bay design. so what what Hershoff called a bay sailor with a B. um you know big open boat quick. Um, not designed for ocean sort of conditions um, but grand for the sort of situation we have here in Roaring Water Bay which would match, you know, say, Narragansett Bay and these yeah. sort of places in Connecticut or, or, or in New England. So what length is she? And made completely of wood? She's, she's 30 foot, 1 and 1 half inches uh, overall. Uh, she is completely of wood. Uh, we've reused about 60% of the planking because, uh, for pragmatic reasons, we couldn't get planks Long enough. Um, for a thirty-foot boat, you need about thirty-three-foot planks, um, and they have to have less than. Well, this is Tiernan's rule. They have to have less than one knot uh, per meter in the wood. And trying to buy that wood was just, you know, beyond. It uh, was just really? impossible.
0: Yeah, yeah. Where, so where did, did you, you source it in the end?
1: Oregon pine, Oregon. Yeah, where my daughter's from. So uh, we we uh, you know bought what was absolutely necessary. So the keel is the original keel. Um, the deadwood is new, the, but the keel, the keelson, Kiel, uh, are, are uh, as was. Um, the rudder is new, much bigger rudder than she had. Uh, we want to sort of increase her maneuverability.
0: Yeah, I've just been helming her there now. She's quite easy to go.
1: Yeah, she is. And, and she'll, you know, give her a shove and she'll, she'll steer. She's, she's very responsive. Okay. So that's, uh, and that's going to be useful in close quarters with a bow with a bowsprit sticking out in front.
0: When I saw her last, it was just, she was just an open boat. Most of the ribs were out; they were just being replaced. Yeah, that's
1: that's right. She's she was in shocking condition. I I have a photograph. I don't know if I shared with you where the bow is out of her, um, and so the, the 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 planks are just open frontwards. And I say it looks more like orthodontistry than anything else. That was her, her worst moment. But um, she's one one of the one of the ribs is now the flagpole aft of the old ribs. So we replaced all of those. Um, um, for insurance purposes there's there's okay. some work that just had to be done anew
0: all the combings here they look like teak to me
1: yeah that's all teak um and uh, she's got a the the only sort of unoriginal bit is we did the deck uh, in marine ply because first of all keep her dry but more importantly it gives her enormous strength uh, okay. that you wouldn't have with a plank deck
0: yeah now down below there's quite a large cabin but there's nothing down there really
1: there's there's nothing down there the the plan is is to put in a couple of basic bunks and uh, you know like a portaloo and a, and a, and a, you know a cooler box but um, as i said bay sailor so it would be great for you know going out to cape clear for a night and having a few pints yeah. and you could come down and crash on the boat uh, that that sort of thing uh, no engine no no engine nor will she have um, where she's got a big sweep oar it's not on her yet but a big sweep oar so that's worth about one and a half horsepower. You can do quite a lot with these. It's a Chinese sort of design of an oar.
0: Okay, so that will hang off the back, and you just row and just
1: knock it out when you need it. It'll be under here. Knock it out when you need it, and you can force her along with that. Yeah. So I've I've seen guys do it, you know, in marinas and the like, quite successfully. And it's it's surprising how how, how good they are. All the masts, all the spars, new. The mast is new. Um, the main boom is new. The gaff is the original.
0: And the blocks, you obviously had them all made.
1: Yeah, all those blocks are, are, you know, handmade, um, original design. They've come from Germany. Um, And uh, they're really, you know, they add that sort of bit of, uh, or they retain that bit of authenticity. Mm -hmm. Who did the work for you? Um, Tiernan Rowe. He's uh, a boat builder originally from Mullingar who went to Germany, learned his trade there. Um, where I spent seven years so he and I have a sort of he's an affinity for Germany and so do I and, and, and you know German thoroughness and he then came back here and he worked in Rossburn Boatyard and then set up on his own and I think I was saying to you before he came to me and said you know Simon she's going to fall off of her trailer it's a metal trailer that was falling apart so why don't we just get going and rather than do a lump sum agreement or anything we just said look sure, do you know what we'll, 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 we'll just tap away so we said to him you don't do any more work than I have money and so between the two of us, you know, he's been really good in, in a pragmatic way. He found other work when I didn't have the money to keep up with it and, um, uh, you know, didn't pressure me or anything like that. And, and so it's been a really good symbiosis. And, and his workmanship is, I mean, look around you, it's superb.
0: Absolutely superb. It's a labor of love for him and for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I keep saying to everyone, uh, the way it actually works is Tiernan does whatever the hell he wants and I pay him, and that's, that's about the size of it.
0: Frank Murphy, we're out here this morning. Just come out of Skull. The Fastnet Rock is over there. What, about, what are these islands we're looking at? There are dozens well, of islands.
2: What we're looking at now is we're looking straight out at the Fastnet and we're looking at the Calf Islands here, both this one here, which is the Western Calf. And then we'll be coming up here, which is the Middle Calf, which you will see shortly is one of the best beaches in West Cork. It's totally t- tidal. In the evening, with the sun, you get total blockage of wind and everything, and it's just a, like a little piece of the Caribbean. Then beyond that, looking over the islands, you've got Cape Clear. And then as you come east, you've got... We're looking first out at the Gasconan Sound and then we're looking at part of Shirkin and we're looking at the another island, which is the Eastern Calf. And then as you look down into Roaring Water Bay, you have Castle Highland here just behind us and you have inside, uh, inside just in front of us here, you have the Carties, where the Irish Cruising Club meet for their uh, once a year normally, pre-COVID, And for their gathering, you have Horse Island, which you can see with the main house and, like, the end of a galley ship, which is a barbecue area.
0: Beautiful beaches there.
2: Oh, unbelievable beaches. Unbelievable beaches there. That's been recently sold. Castle Island has just been sold to a Frenchman. A Chinese man owns Horse Island. And then, as you travel down into Roaring Water Bay, you have Jeremy Irons Castle, which is um, shining with the yellow coming through in the sunlight. And then you have the schemes and then you're into the back of Hare Island and all the little islands that are over there. You know, Carberry's 100 Isles or 1,000 Isles, depending on who you're talking to.
0: Now, we, we know it well, but it's an incredible place to come.
2: Oh it's an incredible place to come and you know you come out of Skull Harbour in the morning and you see what way is the wind blowing and then you just pick your island for your shelter and you could have it to yourself there might be two or three boats there or you know you just can do two islands in a day yeah. you can do three you know it's fantastic.
0: Are, are there ferries to some of these smaller islands if say I don't have my own boat
2: oh, th- there are yeah there's the, you've Cape clear is very well serviced by Baltimore and now that ferry also comes into skull again there was the famous um, ferry that run ran just from skull out to Cape clear with Kieran Malloy and he used to drive the boat and play the accordion and sing songs for people that ferry now is over in Cove as a, as a ferry to from Cove to Hall Boland, so you have you have the main ferry. People are based in Cape Clear, and they will take you all around the place. And on a Friday night uh, during the summer, they do a Fastnet Rock cruise. So they take you from Baltimore out. Out around the famous rock and back in again yeah. you, you can actually you can get a ferry to Long Island as well. you can get a ferry to Long Island um, it's there I think it's twice a day the ferry operates and just to see the way the islands are developing now there's actually a coffee shop in Fair Island. They do lovely homemade cakes and tea and coffee and Great. things like that.
0: Neil, what do you think what do you make of the boat Lady Min?
3: Magnificent, beautiful. Uh, would be familiar with her from racing in the seventies in RCYC. And uh, well, you've been on her in the seventies. Well, no, not not see You know, we would have been competitors of her. Uh, more, you know, there was a whole series of one designs, Quark one designs. And at that time, there were quite a lot of the traditional older style boats racing in. Uh, and would remember Jack Driscoll, Jack O'Driscoll, who owned her and raced her and campaigned her then so um, she was always a boat that it was at the top of the fleet and, and, and you know you tend to see her stern uh, a lot of the time you know and uh, would be sailing in very boisterous conditions as well so yeah very exciting.
0: Uh, we have a beautiful morning here.
3: It's a classic isn't it you couldn't uh, you couldn't actually order it if you wanted it we're tipping along at four and a half knots we've the falling breeze at the moment, but she's just so effortlessly going through the water, it's just amazing when you look back and see how far we've left the Beacon and, and Skull Harbour it's just beautiful, it's magnificent You've got the main
0: here now, they've made a very large main sail, is that hard to hold now because it's got one, two, three, four, about five or six blocks on it?
3: Well on, on the contrary, because um, I would have done the main on some bigger boats like Sydney 40s and the, some of the big firsts uh, and you know when they go, they're like chainsaws when you you know if you're trying to manage them. but this is this is kind of effortless. Now it is a rather benign day as well, mm-hmm. and I think you know certainly if you had to manage a jibe, you know, the one good thing is there's absolutely tons of room after the, the helm, and you can manage it from a safety point of view, you can see it. so yeah, it would be interesting, but um, it's well managed and it's, it's well the ratio of blocks seem absolutely perfect. yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's really nice.
0: So what are your plans for her now, Simon?
1: I would ideally like to take her to as many regattas as I can uh, that have a classic boat section in them. She weighs three tonnes, so she can be moved on a truck fairly easily. Uh, and what I'd really like to do is, is campaign her around here in Ireland next year and then take her to the south of England and the north of France. See how she goes, see how she
0: goes. And the very best of luck to the Lady Men, to Simon O'Keefe and all who sail on her. In April of this year, the European Commission revoked a derogation which exempted Irish fishermen from weighing their catch at Pearside. When the Sea Fishery Protection Agency Relayed suspicions to the EU Commission that scale tampering may have taken place, a rule was brought in requiring Irish fishing crews to weigh their catches in a truck at the side of the pier before bringing them on to a factory where they'd be weighed a second time. The rule has caused outcry from fishermen who say it's unworkable and damaging their catches. Noel Sweeney met some of these fishermen as they weighed their catch when they returned from sea to the pier at Union Hall in West Cork.
4: Last June, a new legislation swung into effect that requires all Irish fishermen to weigh their catch at the side of the pier upon returning from sea. I'm meeting with the joint trawler owners, Anthony Walsh and Bosco MacGaralth, as they weigh their catch at Union Hall Pier in West Cork. We're chatting about the workability of the new rule and how it impacts on their industry. Anthony Walsh. The the, the stock has landed and it's being weighed. Can you talk me through the process of of the the weighing process? um, I suppose back in April, there
5: we got the SFPA introduced this um, way to weigh the fish in the pier as it's landed. So, as you can see this morning there, we're we're just uh, weighing, sample weighing uh, the product, Um, which is ridiculous. We must take the fish out of the ice, uh, into clean boxes, weigh it, re-ice it again. Um, Like the damage is done to the fish really as soon as the fish comes out of the ice. Because as soon as the air hits the fish, it, 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 it does fierce damage to the fish. Um, we're here now it's 18, 19 degrees. And a, a, breeze of, a breeze of wind, force 4 or 5. Fish is getting dried out. Fish is going off as, as we speak, which is absolutely ridiculous, really. Um, before, we were just taking it up to the factory and weighing it in a, a temperature-controlled environment, um, approved by the SFPA, previous to this. So, um, like what's happening at the moment is absolutely ridiculous, to be honest. And what's the point of this new legislation? Uh, look, the point is, I suppose... Um, they weren't trusting the factories for the weighing. It's what it's what we can gather. her. Um, it doesn't make any great bearing in it because we're only sample weighing. Like if we lend hundred boxes a hake, um, we actually only actually only end up weighing nine boxes out of that hundred. So it's an average of the of the nine boxes then that you make up your weight for the hundred. Um, we still have to take it back up to the factory and go through the whole process again. It can be two three o'clock in the morning. Can be eight nine o'clock at night. Can be middle of the day. Um, like At the moment, we're looking at temperatures like, with the last couple of weeks of anything from from 20 to 25 degrees. In the winter, we could be down here in pelting rain, wind, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, which is absolutely scandalous. It's really, really crazy what, what has happened.
4: Bosco says the new rule is unworkable. He says it places the fish caught by Irish crew at a disadvantage compared to the fish caught by our foreign competitors.
6: This is affecting the quality of the fish because you're putting it out into warm temperature and you're not supposed to be handling fish this fish is supposed to be handled as, as least as possible what equipment is used to weigh the the fish there's calibrated scales there up on the pier there and um they're just weighing it there at the moment how, how big is that apparatus it's just like your your it's electronic scales like uh, it has to be calibrated by a special company for the SFPA, the, a recognised company.
0: How, how
4: do you see this this new weighing process playing out? How, do, you, do you think it's going to last? Do you think it's going to
6: work? Well, I suppose it can't. It, it can work because if you're trying to sell a product and uh, the product is not going to be good because of what we're doing right now, how are you going to compete with the other countries? They won't want your fish. It won't be good enough. Have you seen adverse effects on the fish because of this directly? Yes, it does, yeah. It does, yeah. What have you seen? It just makes the fish soft. It's not as good quality at all though. Like the fish was being weighed in the factory all along anyway, so... What's the point? You're doubly handling the fish like you're doubly weighing it and there's no need. It was already being done was already being weighed in the factory anyway.
4: What effect has this process had on the flow of
6: the uh,
4: delivery of the, of the fish? It
6: slows everything down. It slows everything down. You could miss a lorry, you could miss a lorry to France or wherever like you You could miss your market then. So it's just, it's more time. Time is not the big issue, it's the quality. It's the quality that, that that's the major issue. Where you're better off if you can just coat it and wash it and put it into boxes and straight down into ice and the least handling the better quality you can, you'll have with your fish.
4: Anthony believes the industry is under enough pressure as it is and says the new rule is causing frustration amongst fishing crews. And what's it like being subjected to that I suppose kind of random scrutiny? Well like like we have been doing our job all along
5: and like they never found a fault with it. Um, we get uh, scrutinised fairly often from the SFPA and they're very happy with, our, with the system we've in place. they found um, the EC funded for our factories to be done up and to put all this process in place um, and now they're taking it away from us which is absolutely crazy like to have to come down here 2-3 o'clock in the morning to go weighing just to go weighing a few boxes of fish um, it's just impossible to get staff nobody wants to do it it's really I suppose uh, peeing off fishermen peeing off the industry itself and uh, it's just something that we don't need at the moment to be honest fishing is hard enough as it is the industry is hard enough as it is and uh, it's just just don't need it like to be honest.
4: The argument is there that the, the law was brought in because of uh, fishermen miscalculating the the initial ways uh, the initial quarters when they, when they land you know so what do you say to that? Uh, look what, what I say to that
5: um, as far as I know there's very few Irish boats that have been caught with overfishing and are they have been prosecuted for, prosecuted for
4: overfishing. Are the French and Spanish vessels subject to the same scrutiny that you guys are under uh, upon coming back from... from uh, look, I, I suppose the French boats are being checked and the Spanish
5: boats are being checked but, like, being checked for what? They don't know what their coat is. All they're being checked for is the size of their gear and and to see does uh, the, the, the boat look nice. Do you know? But are, are, are they... Are they are, are, do those guys have to weigh at the fish when, when they arrive in? Uh, the Spanish boats, uh, yes. They do have to weigh the fish. They do, they have to do sample weighing the same as ourselves. The French, No. French boat can come in here and land here in this port here now, and uh,
4: absolutely they can't touch them. What's the, what's the rationalisation for the, the, the difference in law? I
5: don't know, the, the French and the Belgium um, had an exclusion that they didn't have to be weighed. Um, no more than six, seven weeks ago, my own boat uh, landed in Arclough, and my fish was going to a designated port, a designated weighing station in, 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 um, in uh, Belgium. Um, I did not have to weigh that fish. Still, an olive fish the officer made me drive to Arkle that night to weigh the fish, which I didn't have to do. middle of the night, again, I had to drive up. I left home at ten o'clock at night, arrived back here at six o'clock in the morning. Had to go up and weigh the fish. They weren't even present. I sent him an email two days two days later, asking him to, for a response from him. I never heard a word from him since. You know, so like some of the officers are taking this and taking taking this in their own chin, and more of them are are, are are talking to us and sitting down and going through the whole process with, with us. But some of them just don't know exactly what's happening. Like, there's no equality between uh, between all the um, SFP officers out there at the moment, to be honest. With with all that seem that seemingly wrong with it, something will have to happen, surely won't it? I honestly think the SFP are trying to sort it out, but I do believe it's going to take about twelve months. Um, now, in fairness, to the SFP they are trying it. Um, this shouldn't never have happened. Number one, it has happened. We have to deal with it. But hopefully, look, that it will be started within the next couple of months. But I reckon it'll take about 12 months.
0: Noel Sweeney reporting from the Quayside in Union Hall. The metal man near Trimore in County Waterford is a well-known navigational aid, both from the sea and land. He's more than 200 years old. And now one local man, Michael Cullen, has been moved to Song by him. Michael told me something about the metal man, and how he came to write that song?
7: Well, it it was built almost two hundred years ago. Around now, uh, it was because there was a lot of ships going down in Tramore Bay, and apparently, from out of the sea, the, the bay looks like the entrance to Watered Harbour. So um, ships in a storm looking for shelter would go in and they'd get run aground on the on the beach in Tramore. No, they could have put a lighthouse there, but then you have to man it and that. So they decided on putting these pillars there with the metal man on top of one of them as a navigation laid from sea
0: and why why yeah. a metal man
7: well the man itself is a strange one I don't I actually don't know that I mean the pillars there's three pillars there and there's two on the other headland and then one the other, one will be hookout, so you could count one two three to know where you are but he's a great landmark for tomorrow now.
0: He is. And does he represent anyone in particular? It wasn't some local character or some military leader, was it? No, he,
7: he's, he's actually uh, he's, he's actually representing a, a Jack Tarr, which was a sailor of the time, a British merchant sailor. He's wearing the uniform that they would have worn, the uh, blue jacket and white trousers, you know.
0: And what size is he, actually, if, if we haven't been able he, to see him?
7: He's 14 foot, but he's sitting on top of a 60 foot pillar. But the man himself is 14 foot. As I say, they were, they were designed by uh, Thomas Kirk, I think his name was. He was a Cork um, sculptor and um, they were design- he, he designed Nelson's Pillar, the, the statue on Nelson's Pillar as well. He's become a symbol for the area. Yeah, he has really. Yeah. There, there's various businesses over the year. There used to be a pub called the Metalman Pub. There's a Metalman uh, locally brewed beer. You know, he, he has become a bit of a symbol for the area. Most old postcards of Tremor would, would show him, like, you know, these Calavage postcards.
0: You've been moved to song by him. Tell me how that came about. I just,
7: uh, well, as I say, when, when I spoke about the seahorse, I, the, they had a commemoration for the seahorse. The seahorse uh, was a ship that ship. went down there. The seahorse was, sorry, the seahorse was a, the famous ship that went down to Tremor Bay. There was 363 people lost on it. Tremor uses the emblem, the seahorse. The golf course uses the seahorse as an emblem. So it's kind of synonymous with Tremor. So there, there was a, commemora- a commemoration for the 200 years uh, sinking of that ship. And um, it was shortly after that that the Metal Man was built. And I, I was just looking out after the commemoration. And I saw the Metal Man and I said, my God, he's there almost three, 200 years now. So and it just came into my head, maybe there should be some tribute to him. He should have his own song. I, 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 being a musician, I don't know, it just came into my head and it was rattling around there for a number of years. And eventually I said, I have to get it out. And I wrote it down. I brought it to a friend of mine, Mark Waters, who sings the song. It's called The Ballad of the Metal Man. Yeah.
0: Now, we're going to go out on some of that tonight. If somebody wants to get it, where can you hear it?
7: Go into YouTube and put in The Ballad of the Metal Man. It should come up.
0: Thanks for meeting Michael We're going to go out now with some of your music And that's it for Seascapes for this week We're back at the same time next Friday Everything on the programme is podcast It's on our website rte.ie slash seascapes If you want to contact me or the programme The email is seascapes at RTE This
6: is The Ballad of the Metal Man Been standing here 200 years To some bring joy but to sailors fear I'm a jack guitar with a coat of blue And warning words I bring to you